DW Africa Link Going into a general election in Democratic Republic of Congo on December 20th are over 900 registered political parties. Such large contingents of diverse parties are exceptional in Africa. But are hundreds of parties good or bad for DRC? And what has Africa's experience with multi-party democracy been? Hello and a very warm welcome. My name is George Okachi and this is the story of the week on DW Africa Link. But first, here is Sutton Sanderson with the world news in brief. DW News. Hello, I'm Sertan Sanderson with the news. The ceasefire in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo between the army and the M23 rebel group appears to have been extended. The Reuters news agency reported that the truce, initially brokered for only three days by the U.S., will now last two weeks. It is intended to improve security in the region ahead of Congo's general election on Wednesday. DW's Jonas Gerding has more about the upcoming vote. President Felix Chishikedi won the 2018 election. That was marred by violence. And observers say there was massive fraud. Even so, it was considered Congo's first democratic transition of power. The opposition is divided. Martin Fayulu was the strongest challenger in the last election. Businessman Moise Katumbi is popular in the mining region of Katanga, where he was once the governor. And Dennis Mukwege, a doctor and Nobel Peace Laureate, made international headlines when he declared his candidacy. However, security remains a main issue on the ballot as M23 stepped up its attacks last week following the withdrawal of East African regional forces from the eastern DRC. The government has been accusing neighboring Rwanda of backing M23 rebels, which Rwanda denies. About 8 million registered voters in Chad are preparing to take part in a referendum on constitutional change. They will decide whether the country should transition to a unitary state following years of military rule. Opposition parties have called for a boycott of the referendum, saying that the lead-up to the vote has been marred by a lack of transparency. Some critics also claim that the vote fails to actually address the real question people wish to vote on, that is, whether Chad should transition to a federalist structure. This is the news on Africa Link, brought to you by DW. Nigeria's Supreme Court has ruled that separatist leader Namdi Kanu should remain in custody and continue to be tried on seven terrorism-related charges. This comes after a lower court had dropped the case. Kanu, who is a British citizen, leads the separatist indigenous people of Biafra group, which is banned in Nigeria. The Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS, has suspended Niger's membership. This follows the ruling military junta's repeated refusal to reinstate deposed President Mohamed Bazoum after a coup d'etat in July. ECOWAS has also imposed a series of sanctions since the takeover and has even threatened military intervention. And that's all the news for today. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Sir Tan Sanderson. Africa Link, every weekday here on DW. Many thanks, Sutton, and to our listener, many thanks for sticking around. Welcome to the story of the week on DW Africa Link. I am your host, George Okachi. This week, we have our eye on the political landscape in Democratic Republic of Congo, where hundreds of parties were registered to contest a general election. Around 44 million registered voters 
out of a population of almost 100 million are set to elect a president on December 20th. For this edition of our weekly show, we are joined by Philip Rangens, an emeritus professor of law and politics at the University of Antwerp. Philip has extensive political expertise covering Central Africa and the Great Lakes region. And Philip, welcome to Story of the Week of Africa Link. We are really looking forward to your insights. And let's just get straight to it. More than 900 Congolese political parties registered for a general election. Can a political system or an electoral system anywhere in the world actually accommodate that? Well, that's the official figure, and this is true for the presidential elections as well. But the, uh, the number of uh, parties that will be effectively participating and that will be able to capture uh, more than one seat in parliament or that will effectively be able to compete for the, uh, during the presidential election, uh, that number will be much, much smaller. We're talking uh, a couple of dozen, which is still a high number, but we're talking a couple of dozen parties that will eventually, and, and not even eventually, possibly, uh, gain uh, one or more seats in parliament. Uh, and we're talking, when looking at the presidential vote, although there are many more candidates, we're looking essentially at four candidates, which is, um, which is manageable. Certainly, Philip, the number of these political parties will likely decrease in proportion to the top presidential contenders. However, do you think there should be legislation to limit them and only permit those with the capacity to contest to proceed? Well, I mean, if you simply apply the law, then everyone who um, pays a deposit... Uh, can be a candidate. But apart from that, everyone, and maybe that's not too bad, everyone who satisfies the legal conditions and who pays the, uh, the fee uh, can, can be a candidate. Uh, but of course, in, in actual practice, for most of those candidates, it is even impossible to, to wage a, an electoral campaign. I mean, again, as I said, it's a huge country, so you have to travel by plane from one part to the other. And of course, the only candidates, and I'm, I mentioned four because I think this is really a, a four-candidate affair, are the ones who have the means to, uh, to travel from uh, across this huge country that is the size of Western Europe. Well, Phil, even before we delve into the current situation, uh, your extensive experience spanning approximately 45 years, as you told me, provides valuable insights into this political landscape of uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Could you briefly recount the history of political parties in the immediate aftermath of independence in 1960s? And I mean, uh, which political parties were active during this period? Well, I don't know the exact figure in 1960, but there again in 1960, just like today, the number of effectively uh, of parties that effectively participated in the competition for power was quite limited. What you had in the, in the Congo, like in many other African countries in those days, were what were called in those days tribal parties, or you can call them perhaps in a more modern fashion, ethnic parties or regional parties. And the first president of, 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 of the Congo hailed from that region and was, um, was supported by that party. That was actually um, Alliance de Bacongo, it was, it was called Abaco. And there was, I think, in 1960, just one 
truly national uh, party, and that was the MNC of Patrice Lumumba, the Mouvement National Congolais of Patrice Lumumba, who was very much opposed to, uh, to ethnic or tribal politics. But, but so to answer your question um, in a, briefly, the, the number of effectively participating parties in 1960 was not much higher than today, although the, 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 but most of those parties don't represent anything, or, or at least not much. I'm glad you brought up the point about ideology and the principles political parties represent. However, when did the emergence of hundreds of registered political parties become a phenomenon in the Democratic Republic of Congo? And, and what factors contributed to this trend? Well, that came actually only after the uh, uh, single party system disappeared like it did in, in other parts of Africa, of course. Yeah, as far as the Congo is concerned, the democratization process took a very, very long time. Uh, Mobutu was actually overthrown not by the ballot box, but by the bullets, by the uh, rebellion supported or supported by uh, Rwanda, Uganda, and Angola in particular, other countries as well. Um, and that rebellion led by Laurent Kabila uh, toppled Mobutu in May of 1997. Uh, and, and even then, uh, the system did not become democratic. The uh, rule by the, the, the former um, president, Joseph Kabila's father, Laurent Kabila, was, was not democratic at all. Um, and when uh, Joseph Kabila succeeded his father after his father had been assassinated, uh, it took another uh, five years before there were genuine elections in 2006. So between um, the democratization movement all over Africa and the first democratic elections in the DRC, there were over 15 years. So this was really a, a latecomer in this uh, process of democratization of Africa. But Philip, do Congolese political parties have a tradition of coalition building? And are there any examples that you can cite? There have been, after the Congo returned to, um, to democratic rule, uh, which was only because, let's not forget, the, the history of the Congo is one of dictatorship. Um, the, the only more or less democratic period uh, was between 1960 and 1965, when Mobutu took power through uh, a coup d'etat, uh, and, and he himself was violently overthrown in 1997. So that's a, from 67 to 90, from 65, I'm sorry, to 97. This was Mobutu's dictatorship. It was actually a much weaker dictatorship than people would have expected. I mean, it looked very monolithic. It was actually a very, very uh, weak regime. But there was no competition. There was no political competition. Uh, and there were no political parties functioning apart from Kabila's uh, rebel movement, which you could actually hardly have called a political party. And it is only, as I said, in 2006 that fair, free and fair elections were organized. Uh, they were won, I'm, I'm talking about the presidential vote now, they were won by uh, uh, Joseph Kabila, uh, Laurent Kabila's son, but he even had to go through a second round. He didn't, um, he didn't capture the presidency after the first round. In other words, he, had, he didn't have 50% of the vote. There were other candidates, including the father of the current president, uh, 
Etienne Chisikedi, the father of current president Felix Chisikedi, which, which was also who was also one of the candidates. And um, and so um, I think the last uh, genuine elections that took place in the Congo were in 2006. And the previous ones were in 1960, the year of independence. So, I mean, this is, there, as far as I can see it, only two elections over such a long period, only two elections have been uh, moderately free and fair. Well, those are indeed insightful thoughts, Philip. If you just tuned in, this is DW's Africa Link Story of the Week with me, George Okachi. We are discussing the impact of numerous political parties in the Democratic Republic of Congo on the electoral process. Our expert for this topic is Philip Rangens, and we are fortunate to tap into his extensive knowledge of the region. Now, numerous countries in Africa have around two dozens or so political parties in total rather than hundreds like in the case of Democratic Republic of Congo today. For instance, Tanzania has 19 registered parties and just one has dominated for decades. The governing Chama Cha Mapinduzi or CCM party is currently the biggest party in Africa with more than 8 million members. It is also the 11th biggest in the world. But hold on, our correspondent in Tanzania, Naomi Cheng, can provide a unique perspective from the Tanzanian lens on the question of whether less is more or more is more in the political landscape. Naomi, tell us, as a Tanzanian who was born in 1992, roughly 15 years after the ruling Chama Chama Pinduzi was formed, when did you first learn about the party? Honestly, what I remember, George, is when I was in fourth grade. I remember studying the subject of civics, which covered various uh, political topics. And um, during that time, there was a general election and campaigning was taking place everywhere here in the country. I recall that the late President Benjamin William Kappa Joji was running for his second term to become the president of the country, while the CAF uh, party, led by Professor Ibrahim Lipumba, uh, was the most uh, powerful opposition part by that time. Uh, it was during this time that I learned more about the CCM. And uh, that it is the ruling part, George, in that there were many other political parties. And uh, CCM has been in power since then and still holds power up to this day. Naomi, it is evident that you were a very good history student. However, substantially, Naomi, CCM has been a constant presence since the inception of the multi-party system in Tanzania. Could you shed light on the other political parties and their positions in your country's political landscape? We have a total of 18 oppositional political parties here in Tanzania. Some of them include Chadema, CAF, ACT, NCCR Mageuzi, UPDP, Chauma, AAFP, Adatadea, SAU, CCK, and TLP. In the 2000, elections, CAF were the strongest opposition political part. But you see in recent years, Chadema has been the leading opposition political part. 
the strongest one indeed. So despite having 19 political parties in Tanzania, our country's political landscape is dominated by only a few parties. Uh, some of the other parties, Georgie, have very few supporters. And in fact, uh, they are not well known to Tanzanians. Some of these parties don't even have members uh, of the parliament. It is just during the general election that some of these parties may have a chance to be heard more, but their impact is limited compared to the uh, dominant parties. Well, Naomi, just a quick reminder to our listener, today's topic has been inspired by the substantial number of political parties in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is heading to the elections next week, uh, December the 20th. And we brought in Tanzania's perspective for a comparative angle since they are neighboring countries. And then, Naomi, could you share with us the reactions of Tanzanian voters upon learning that Congo has over 900 registered political parties for the upcoming polls? George, some people express their views about democracy quite clearly, saying that uh, a multi-party system is one of the essential criteria for a country to be considered uh, democratic. However, even uh, though many African countries have a multi-party system, the mere presence of many or few parties does not uh, necessarily uh, indicate that those uh, countries have true uh, democracy. Uh, George, I spoke to some Tanzanians and here is what they said. 900 parties? Where? (laughs) Ah, I was just a drop of water compared to that number of Congo. Anyway, this does not mean that they have true democracy. 900 political parties sounds hilarious. Like every citizen, there is a candidate. But hey, that does not define democracy at all. No. Do they have freedom of expression? Do they hold fair elections? Do they adhere to their constitution? Because that is what we call democracy. Imagine what with a few political parties we still have. Sisiem Chadema fights almost every election result. I can't imagine their situation. But to me, this is not democracy. Having many or few political parties without freedom of expression and without fair election is like pushing stones into the sea, which will not help you to cross. Democracy cannot be ensured by the presence of multiple political parties in a country. Uh, It is only guaranteed when the ruling party follows the constitution, ensures justice and conducts transparent and fair elections. During elections, democracy is all about freedom, justice and transparency. Therefore, the existence of many or few political parties in a country does not guarantee democracy. Without true democracy, having multiple political parties is of no significance. Swala la Congo kuwa na vyama vingi. Nafikiri lina sula mbili. The issue of Congo having over 900 political parties can be viewed from two angles. On one hand, it promotes democracy by providing people with more choices and the power to choose their leaders. However, this abundance can also be confusing for citizens as many of these parties are unknown and only serve to create political influence. Some candidates may not be capable of fulfilling their duties even after getting elected. While having many political parties is beneficial for democracy, the magnitude of the situation in Congo is not ideal. We need to have enough candidates to provide people with adequate choices when electing leaders. 
Well, those are Tanzanian voters expressing their views on today's topic that delves into the impact of the numerous political parties in the Democratic Republic of Congo's electoral process. They spoke to our very own Dar es Salaam-based correspondent, Naomi Acheng. Back to you, Philip. You've just had the perspectives from Tanzanians. From your expert point of view, why is Tanzania, a, a country not far away from Democratic Republic of Congo, so distinct in terms of the number of actively involved political parties? The, the difference with Tanzania is that there is a, I would say, massively dominant party. The former single party, the CC and Chama Chama Pinduzi, is the, um, the former single party. Of course, there is now, since the 1990s, a, a functioning multi-party system in Tanzania, but it's still very much a system dominated by one party. So that leaves very little space for other parties. Um, you will find, for instance, that's not a neighboring country of, of the DRC, but it's a neighboring country of Tanzania. You see a different phenomenon in Kenya, for instance, where there are more political parties and where no single party is so dominant as the CCM is in, uh, in Tanzania. So, I mean, uh, the, the fact that you have uh, a dominant party makes it less attractive for other uh, politicians to try, and, um, to try and, and, and capture part of the market because the market is, is occupied by one party uh, in Tanzania and in a few other African countries as well, where you have no, um, after elections, no new party takes over. While, for instance, again in, in Kenya, um, the, after almost each election, there has been a, a change of, uh, of regime, so to speak, uh, through the elections. So that's the, um, the, the circumstances uh, and, and the, the uh, how should I say, the, um, the, the relations, the relative weight of the uh, parties are very different in, from one country to the next. And, and I'm glad you raised that point, Philip. Consequently, would you then argue that multi-party democracy has been effective in Africa? Many do. Um, in a sense, that's quite remarkable, isn't it, that all those countries or most of those countries in Africa have transitioned from um, authoritarian one-party or one-party regimes or military regimes to sometimes pretty well-functioning um, multi-party regimes. Uh, there are a couple in, in West Africa, of course, that there are setbacks as well. I mean, there have been in, in, in West Africa and in the Sahel, there have been recently uh, several coup d'etats, military coup d'etats, which we thought was a, a thing of the past, and yet it has come back. And these military regimes... In, in countries like Burkina Faso, or Niger, or Mali, or Guinea, or, uh, or Gabon even, don't seem to be uh, challenged that much. On the other hand, there are relative success stories. I would certainly uh, point at Ghana as a success story, and although Ghana has had a tradition of both military rule and one-party rule, I think it is now a, a, a properly functioning uh, democratic system. Another one in West Africa would be Guinea, for instance. In, in East Africa, I would certainly also consider Kenya as, a, as an example that has made this transition from single-party rule, the Kenya-African National Union, KANU, um, to uh, 
not perfectly, but decently functioning uh, multi-party system. And, and, and some countries in Africa have had uh, pretty consistently, uh, not many, but Botswana is an example, for instance, uh, of a country that has for a very long time, and Botswana throughout basically its independent history has been a, a functioning uh, multi-party system, although uh, with a, uh, a strongly dominant party. So the image, the, there is not one Africa. In, in Sub-Saharan Africa, we talk about 48 uh, states. That means 48 different Africas. Um, but the overall tendency has been, since the 1990s, has been one of democratization, but also of more respect for human rights, of uh, uh, more press freedom, etc. But there have been... Uh, as there have been in other parts of the world, there have been serious setbacks and, and there is certainly uh, an, an, a sort of a relapse in authoritarianism or towards authoritarianism, uh, both in Africa and, and worldwide. Speaking of authoritarianism, would you assert that countries such as Eritrea, Rwanda or even Namibia can be accurately categorized as true multi-party democracies? Namibia would say yes. Um, Rwanda would definitely say no. Rwanda is one of those examples, one of those rare examples, that have maintained a very harsh dictatorship. I mean, this is very much underestimated sometimes. There are several parties in parliament, but there is only one uh, genuine opposition party, that's the Democratic Green Party, the Ecologist Party, uh, in Rwanda, they have two MPs, that's it, uh, and one senator. Uh, but this regime is a, is, makes all opposition simply impossible. I mean, those who are uh, expressing or publicly expressing disagreement with the regime in place uh, are arrested, uh, prosecuted, jailed, sometimes disappear uh, or, 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 or have to leave into exile. And that is true for uh, uh, civil society that doesn't exist any longer. There is no free press. Um, this is, a, I would say, an underestimated harsh dictatorship. But have the citizens in the various African nations appreciated the central role that multi-party systems play in the democratization process, Philip? The, um, the so-called democratization movement in Africa, and again, elsewhere in the world, you, we, we need to be careful not to consider Africa as an exceptional case. It's, it's, it is exceptional in the sense that what I see in Africa, but this, has, uh, this is not the same thing as political regimes, these are very often weak states, states that do not, or do not, to a large extent, do not perform essential state functions. But that's something else than a political regime. You could have a, a, a dictatorship with a properly functioning state and a democracy with a very weak state. So those two are not uh, per se uh, equivalent. Um, apart from the, the issue of state weakness, we should also realize that the so-called democratization drive um, in, from the early 1990s onwards has been essentially an urban phenomenon. Most people in the countryside, in, in all African countries, not in, I have no 
particular country in mind and, and not the DRC more than any other country. Um, this is the, the rural populations are to some extent not linked up to the national political system. And even in towns and cities, um, it's only part of the population that is really involved in, 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 in real citizenship. I mean, in a, a link between the state and the population. Many people, even in towns and cities in Africa, have no link at all with the political system. And, and that is understandable because their main concern is, is, is basically daily survival. And then last before I let you go, who actually stands a chance in a country with a crowded political landscape? Let's use DRC as an example. Well, if you are referring to, for instance, the DRC, um, as I said, there are four candidates uh, for the presidential election. And it is important to insist on the presidential election because these regimes are essentially presidential regimes. Parliament doesn't play that much of a role, and that is not just the case in the DRC, but, but in many other countries in Africa, and, and for that matter, uh, elsewhere in, in the global south. Many thanks, Philip. That was Philip Rangens, Emeritus Professor of Law and Politics at the University of Antwerp. Philip works on the African Great Lakes region, and we've without doubt benefited from his eye-opening perspectives on the Congolese political scene and multi-party democracies around Africa. We also heard from Naomi Cheng, our correspondent in Tanzania, on what voters in her part of Africa think about today's topic. And a big thank you, our listener. I am Jojo Kachi on this edition of the Story of the Week with our producer Benita Van Eisen and the rest of the team at DW Africa Link. We wish you a wonderful weekend. Made for Mind.